Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 7 of Popper's Cage. Here with me are Dime Collector. Hello, how's it going? Love. Hello everybody. And back to finish off his epic deck tech of mono blue control is John, also known as New Plan in MTGO. Hello. So today we want to look at the matchups for mono blue control, but before we get into that, I want to mention a few things from the past couple of weeks. First of all, we've reached a really cool milestone in Popper's Cage blog with over 10,000 hits. That's great work, man. Thanks. And while I was gloating and looking at our numbers, I noticed that we were getting a strangely large number of hits from Poland. It seems to be due to a post from Samuel Kalkin in a site called mtgnews.pl. I happen to know from a post that he wrote in the Popper to the People forums that he is the moderator for that site, and they have a strong and thriving Popper community in Poland. So here's a shout-out to Samuel and all the people playing Popper in Poland. Can you say that fast? All the people playing Popper <laughs> in Poland. All the people playing Popper in Poland. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of shout-outs, it would be unacceptable if I didn't mention our friend Spacecraft from PDC Magic. He had some new constructive feedback, uh, basically that Mono Blue wasn't really his cup of tea, and that he'd like uh, for us to have a look at the green-white auras. Well, unfortunately, we actually have quite a number of topics in the backlog already, enough for at least three or four episodes, so it might be a while before we get to it. But uh, since he's the first one to actually uh, request a topic, uh, I'm sure we will do uh, as soon as we can. He wasn't the only one who questioned Mono Blue Control. Spikeboy M, also in the PDC Magic forums, he was wondering how competitive as a deck it is, especially in comparison to the more aggro, tempo-oriented Delver decks. A dime had a similar question he wanted to ask. Basically, what what led to you landing on this deck in particular? You said you played a lot of decks. Um, yeah. Why mono blue control? And also, why aren't... You mentioned this. you don't think this is a popular deck. Why aren't there many people playing this particular iteration of mono blue right now? For whatever also, reason, I, ne- I never 4-0, and I think that has a lot to do with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at my spreadsheet and I three one all the time, and and it seems like like I've had like 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 I get one round where I just draw nothing but land or no land, and I'm just like, oh, it's so frustrating. But you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm sorry, but there was there was there was more to your question, wasn't there? Basically, why why did you why are you playing mono blue? And then um, I guess for like, what kind of a player do you think this deck would suit? And also, you know. This kind of has to compete with Cloud Post as a control deck. So, what what advantages does playing this have over over that? Well, I mean, it doesn't make me want to quit Magic, and I would imagine playing Cloud Post probably would <laughs> out of boredom. So, so there's this. So I got that advantage. You know, this is like like this deck is fun. I enjoy playing this deck. I I, I can't imagine enjoying playing Cloud Post. I've 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 put together cloud post decks and I've taken it to the churning practice room and I've played it and you know it's 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 fun and interesting to beat some decks but I feel like I feel like cloud post is a very well known and very well explored type that all right well if he has in fact you know and you're playing blue red post you're probably going to lose and if he has this deck you're almost certainly going to win so it's yeah. like you know you don't even really play it it's kind of it kind of I mean you know, it's like the meta is what the meta is. Like, I feel like this deck, there's a lot of decisions to make. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, 
room for good play, and on top of it, there's a lot of room to tune your deck to beat what you want to beat, and that to me is very important. Like I never, I don't want to lose to Infect because it just feels terrible to lose to a guy who just drops a Glistener Elf and then pumps it to twelve and and, and beats you with it. Like that just feels so stupid, you know. So like, all right, so I want a deck that beats that, and I, and I want a deck that beats certain other decks. So I play this deck. You know, and if I wanted it to be different decks, I could tune the deck differently and have it be different decks. And and you can you have that option with Cloud Post. And you know, maybe I shouldn't be playing Cloud Post. And maybe I sh- maybe I'll try out Cloud Post at some point. Um, and certainly, Ghostly Flicker makes me want to play Cloud Post a lot more than any 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 well, other spells you, been printed. And I keep quiet. We can't let people know about that. Yeah, On I mean, the note of Cloud Post, I really enjoyed playing. I I put it together and played Cloud Post in the tournament practice room, and I really enjoyed the deck until I got to play the Mirror. Yeah, yeah, there's that, I think too. I had a lot of brain cells die that day from boredom. <laughs> so yeah. boring. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, you, play, you play land, I play land, you play land, I play land. Oh, you drew a capsize? All right, you win the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you play know? capsize, and then he plays capsize, and then it's a counter war, and the one with the most counters win. And that's yeah, like it, it, yeah, it doesn't feel... Exactly, and it doesn't feel like there's any... any yeah. And and you know what? I don't want to always be the last guy to finish their round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and and you know what? Let's let's try to pretend to justify this. What 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 beats Cloud Post? Goblins. I All right, and I, have a good, and I have a good matchup against Goblins, right? Storm. And I have a better matchup, I think, against Storm than they do. Uh, in fact, yeah, it's pretty good against. In fact, I think it's a fifty-fifty against Cloud Post. I think considering so Cloud Post has burn but can stumble. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because they need to. Because they usually only have one burn spell per turn in the early in the early stages. Because they are limited by mana col- by colored mana production at the at that point. Yeah. Affinity. And, yeah. No. Affinity. Uh, uh, post crushes affinity. I used to play affinity. Post is like you never want to see post if you're playing affinity. All right. I didn't know that. I was just asking. Yeah. No. Because I mean, uh, because they've got if they want. They can run. I mean, depends upon how badly they want to beat you. If they want to like beat you and kick sand in your face, they can run. Uh, they can run shattering pulse. Uh, just want to beat you, Ooh, they can just that. run ancient grudge. You know, if they if they really want to <laughs> want to beat you, they can just play. They can just play gorilla shaman, and they've got all the man in the world to destroy. They can destroy your your mirror enforcers with a gorilla shaman. <laughs> uh, actually, that, that that doesn't work. Gorilla shaman will kill its non-creature artifacts. Oh, oh, really? I didn't know that. I, I've never tried to kill a creature. <laughs> yeah, it's, four, it's well, it's only eight mana to kill a frogmite. Right. Yeah, that's doable. So, <laughs> so no, Gorilla Shaman doesn't kill the creatures. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, it, it kills everything else. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Uh, destroy non-creature artifact. Yeah. Look at that. Okay, matchups. This usually gets some of the more interesting discussions. One first question. Um, are there any like general sideboarding cards that you most often take out? Um, I take out Deprive quite a bit, actually. Okay. <laughs> because the idea is Deprive is a good general answer that sets you back. And after I board, I can afford to have a good specific answer that doesn't set me back. Oh, okay, that's that's a very good tip, and I'm going to be using that in in the league I'm playing, <laughs> or 
Okay. Um, all right. Let's start with uh, what I believe is a bad matchup, and that would be CloudPost. Yes. It's actually it's it's improved now. Okay. Game one, you're in a lot of trouble. They have they have removal for they have more removal than you have threats. They have more card draw than you can you need to you need to pick a direction to attack them and then hope. Uh, you need to win to win game one. You need to flip a Delver early and then protect it using counter magic. You basically have to play like a Delver deck to win game one. You're not set up very well to play like a Delver deck. They're set up better to beat you than you are to beat them. So game one is is very bad. Right. Okay. I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, game two, you have uh, the chance to change your deck. And I personally have, looking at my sideboard right now, I have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I have 12 cards that I sideboard in against against Blue-Red Storm. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's see this metamorphosis. Okay. So I'm sideboarding in three deep analysis, which is just the beginning of the list. Four Hydroblasts. Because they're more efficient at count. Because, like I said, in game one, you you really need to change your approach and you need to counter their removal for your threats. And a Hydroblast counters all of their red removal. And finally, I side, I side in Stormbound Geist. Okay, yeah. I, I was thinking that, that any stuff with um, Undying that, yeah. that has inherent card advantage is yeah. very good against... Uh, and, I, and I side in more Echoing Truth. And more repeal. Actually, probably not more echoing truth, but I probably will side out one echoing truth and add one repeal, because the idea is, go ahead, kill my stormbound guys twice, and I'll repeal it, and then I will draw a card on your second kill, and I will have my stormbound guys back. Okay, yeah. So the idea is at this point to change to change to a change to a deck that's going to try to grind them out through card advantage. I mean, I'm going yeah. to try to draw draw more cards than they are, or as many cards as they draw, and then beat them with card advantage on Stormbound Geists. And it works sometimes. Okay. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Paul Denton's strategy to use the Paul Curse? Denton's strategy was the strategy I used to use for, like, for a long time as well. Um, he, he would... Um, he was running... Hold on, I'm sorry. He was running... I, I was running... Um, Curse of the Bloody Tome, and, the one, he, yeah. and he runs Curse of the Bloody Tome as well. And it's a good idea because um, they really only have Pyroblast and Capsize to remove it. And if you if you can keep it on the board, it will beat them, especially if they run things like um, Forbidden Alchemy or Compulsive Research, things that help them burn through their deck. And then on top of that, things like Echoing Truth become very good against them, which, I mean, I know Paul doesn't run, but I run it. Um, and when I used to run Curse of the Bloody Tome against them, you used to be able to Curse the Bloody Tome, and then they would try to have, they would have to try to kill you with Muldrifters, because oftentimes they didn't have Ulamog, and you could counter their, their Rolling Thunders. And so they would have three Muldrifters on the board, and you can Echoing Truth them. And, <laughs> and if that resolves, they can't recast them because they draw six more cards. Yeah. <laughs> and you turn and then they then all of a sudden they basically have no way to win the game. Yeah. 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 That that's, sounds... a, that's a that's a that's a different strategy to go with. But it's it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable because if if you know and Paul Denton only runs I think he runs one, right? He runs one curse the bloody tome. Depending on the, the how he's feeling. I've seen him run two I've seen him run two or three actually. Yeah. 
yeah, that's but that's it's a good it's a good way to it's a good way to go after them. I like it a lot. Um, I, I used to I used to do it, um, and you just have to make sure that they resolve, and you have to protect them, and so, then <laughs> not die. <laughs> so it takes it takes your counters, and it moves it moves you from trying to win to trying to prevent them from winning, which is yeah. a slightly different approach. Yeah, so you become the more controlish deck. Yes. Some people uh, have suggested citing in errant ephemeron against Cloudpost. What do you think of that <laughs> strategy? I, I, yeah, it, it goes by the same. <clears throat> it's the same idea as citing in as citing in more creatures and trying to beat them down. It, okay. it, it goes by the beat down strategy. But the thing is, errant ephemeron is errant ephemeron dies to pyroblast and it dies to flame slash. Yeah. And there's no card advantage like with the with the geist. Right? Well, and the only card advantage is implicit card advantage. If they have to deal with it with lightning bolt, or they have to deal with it by um, by using up a uh, two electrostatic bolts, then you get implicit card advantage with it. I mean, okay. the same the same approach as using that. You could side in, and I've seen someone play this, or I've seen a deck result that had this. You could side in a shimmering glass kite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a Shimmering Glass Kite counters the first spell they target it with. But then, wait, hold on. Shimmering Glass Kite. I think it's a 2-2, so they could just block it with a, what's it called? No, it's a 2-3. It's a 2-3, yeah. Yeah, so they can't block it with a Muldrifter um, and, and have the Muldrifter live. And the other approach is, <clears throat> and I think this is taken more by uh, by by Delver, but you can side in uh, Weatherseed Fairies. Because Weatherseed Fairies uh, dodges their removal except for Serrated Arrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 they can still block it with a muldrifter. Mm. But the idea is resilient. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, have resilient threats. Okay, because they're, they're because if you want to beat them by beating them down, that's you're attacking their strong point. You really are, and and attacking their strong point is is putting you at a disadvantage. You know, when I when I put it that way, it makes me think I want to go back to my curse the bloody tone plan. <laughs> okay, um, well, 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 you're learning. Both is that they're going to have. I mean, if someone doesn't know your list specifically, they might have to play a guessing game of what you're actually going to board into. So, you know, somebody who's more familiar with Paul Denton's list, maybe they start taking out some removal, and they're they're planning to play against Curse, and then you you have you know that sort of variable uh, on your side sometimes. So I guess that could be one uh, one positive. Yeah, no, then that, and you're absolutely right about that. But the 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 only down to me to me the downside and the reason I don't probably don't go with curse is um, is because Stormbound Geist is actually better against more decks, I think, and curse is very specialized. Yeah, that makes curse, sense. Yeah, so so it's sort of like like I don't know if you guys have ever read the article about like uh, it's like like making a deck is like like sculpting an elephant. Like you, you imagine what your deck is going to be in every match, and then you try mm-hmm. to find the cards in common that you could that you could live with and try to beat a lot of decks with. So, that's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to see the relationship with the elephant. There. Oh, it's like sculpting, right? You know, when you sculpt, <laughs> okay. you sculpt like a block, and then you take yeah. away everything that isn't an elephant. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you start with you start with. A sixty-card deck. That's if I had to build a mono blue control with sixty cards against 
against CloudPost, and I'll build four. You know, you build four versions of it, and you say, all right, well, these are the cards that are in that, and then you know, you don't actually do this because it would take forever. And then you do it against Goblins, and then you do it against another deck and another deck, and then you look and you see what are the what are the seventy five that you can pull together there. Like, what can you get the most overlapping use out of? Like, like Hydroblast is such a good card for the sideboard because it comes in against Storm, it comes in against Goblins, it comes in against uh, Blue Red CloudPost. Um, it even comes in against Affinity, so mm-hmm. it's yeah. a very—it's just a good card. And if you're really desperate, you can bring in a one in against Delver because it still kills uh, phantom, uh, phantasmal bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's comedy though. That's like I always like to uh, whenever I uh, whenever I uh, hit a bear with a piracy charm, I always give it Island Walk. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, well, I guess let's move on to uh, Storm. Uh, yeah. I'm so I want to talk about both Grixis Storm and the Blue Red Storm. I don't know how many differences there might be uh, in how you play against them. Well, usually Grixis Storm is is running both uh, Grape Shot as well as Empty the Warrens, mm-hmm. um, and Blue Red Storm is usually focused on only Empty the Warrens. Blue Red Storm is usually faster, um, and Grixis Storm is usually a little bit slower than than Blue Red Storm. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, Blue Red Storm for my deck is is usually a very good matchup because I've got three Echoing Truth in the main deck to start. Um, and I've got counter magic and I've got, I've got, you know, I've got some good threats. So game one, I, I usually, I usually can win this matchup because the idea is just don't play stupidly with your echoing truths. Don't run them into despair. You know, don't, don't, if you've got more than one echoing truth, you can use one on his turn because you can bait out one of his answers. But then when you untap, um, make sure you've got counter magic to protect your echoing truth. And if you have Echoing Truth, you want him to successfully storm off because you want his hand to be near empty. Um, if you don't have Echoing Truth, you want him to partially storm and then break it in the middle is, is the idea. You know, so that way he fizzles because he runs out of mana. And you can easily, not easily, but you can a lot more easily cut the mana off on Blue-Red Storm because the, the Red Rituals are not nearly as good as the Black Rituals. Yeah, uh, you're actually right. Uh, the I feel from playing both versions of the combo deck that the Grixis Storm has a better matchup against Mono Blue than the Blue Red Storm does. By far, yes, agreed. Because Blue Red, Blue Red is a lot more vulnerable to a single counter spell knocking out a Mono Source. Yeah, I I lost in a daily a few days ago by just going like. I had only two lands in play, and I had to go for it. Otherwise, the mono blue would take complete control of the game. And I went like, Rite of Flame, Desperate Ritual, Seething Song, and he just countered the Seething Song. And there was sitting like, well, that's game, because I lost three rituals, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, because he forced you to commit. He forced you to commit to it, and then and yeah. then he he knocked out the he knocked out your mana. Yeah, and that's that's how Paul Denton plays the matchup. And I know Paul Denton has told me that he does not have a very good matchup against Blue Red Storm because he's got to play the one game and he's got to knock he's got to knock out a key ritual and prevent you from going prevent the Blue Red Storm player from going off. I don't have to do that, and in fact, I prefer to let them go off and then save my counter just for the bushwhacker and then deal with it on my turn with an echoing truth. Mm. Um, 
So Grixis you, Storm is a different is a different question. <laughs> so just uh, one 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 case against the blue red storm, and yeah. th- this is something that uh, turned out in uh, in a game I, w- I was having with a, a clan member. I'm giving a shout out to Stofer. He was giving me a lot of helpful uh, tips. Thanks, Stofer. Um, so let's say your opponent has four mana. Okay. Uh, and How many start, lands in play? Well, yeah. Well, they have four four lands in play. Oh, they have four lands in play. Yeah. Okay. They, they were just kind of biding their time. They were just are they are they are they? Hand. I'm sorry. So we're talking blue red storm. Are this, they are they um, surpassing scaries or whatever the whatever the the depletion lands are? Um, let's say these are just uh, basic lands. Just and two islands, two mountains. Two islands, two mountains. Yeah. Okay. And they start with a uh, with a uh, maybe the one the one mana ritual. Yeah, Rite of Flame or one of the two-mana rituals. Um, I'm guessing at that point you don't want to counter those, right? Let's say you you only have enough for one counter at this point. Okay. Uh, Or I guess with two... That would be an unusual situation for them to have four land and you only have one counter up, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, if they started, if it's game one, they started... You might okay, only so, just have so that you'll land. have you'll have three yeah you'll have three lands in play and you won't be able to counter twice. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna add one quick thing here uh, that the storm player should tap one island and one mountain to play a two mana ritual here. I have seen some storm players like tap both their mountains because they assume one ritual is going to go through. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what you can do? You can also bait out a counter spell and then drop a lotus petal. I've done that against Gabo, actually. Yes, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very. I, I am a very poor player against Storm. I admit it. I never know what to do. Uh, but so in this case, uh, there's four mana. They could have a Lotus Petal, um, but how many, cards, doing, how many cards do they have in hand? They have. Let's say they have. Yeah, th- 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 those are all the variables that come into play, right? Let's say they have five. Okay. Oh, five is not six. a lot. Maybe, well, how about six? Okay, six. Six. Does that sound scary? Six sounds uh, scary. Kids, I, I, like, I'm wondering if there is a, a mathematical formula that gives you the best uh, probability of when to counter so that you're not just, you know, thinking, well, I think this one. And I'm assuming you have to wait till the second or third ritual, you know, when they're getting to the, the three mana ones. Yeah. Yeah, well, because then that knocks out, because then that's one one of your counter spells to knock out, because they're paying more to turn it into even more. So, yeah, those are the ones that are the more efficient ones that you've got to counter. Yeah, but then they can they can surprise you with Rite of Flame gets better the more of them they have. Yeah. So they might play one Rite of Flame, and you let it through, and then yeah, they you let play... It through, and now, they, now they've got six mon on their... They've got up to six mon on their mana pool at this point, and five cards. And then they play, uh, 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 what's the biggest one called? Seething Song. Song. The Seething Song. They play that one. You counter it. But then yeah, but still that's have fine. To, that's yeah. fine. Because you counter a Seething Song, and what that means in that situation, it means they go from six mana to two mana, right? And now they've got four cards in hand with two mana, with two mana available to them. So assuming they can drop a Lotus Petal or something that allows them to either Seething Song again, their 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 storm isn't going to be huge at that point, I think. I think you're in good shape there. Okay. Well, let's see. He had six cards in hand first. Yeah, six, and then five after Rite of Flame. Now he's got six mana in his mana pool. And then, oh, sorry, now he's got three mana. 
Wait, let's. I'm, I'll count the storm, and you just recount the spells. <laughs> okay. So let's get one one white of flame. Red flame. Yeah. One storm. And he has up to. Has two men in the pool and two untapped. If the right of flame was the first one ever. Right. Well, let's so, just let's just say he tapped. To make it simple, let's just say he taps all his land. All right. So he has right of flame is one storm. Seeding song is the second storm, and you counted the seeding song. That's his third storm, and he has yeah, storm two available to him. Yeah. So. And so he's, he got three, he's got three. Ma- he's got three. Three mana and, and four cards, which is kind of a scary position, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that's lethal if the last four cards are two rituals, a bushwhacker, and an empty the worms. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's lethal. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, but, but then again, if if that if that's his hand, there's nothing you can counter to win the game. Exactly. So, so well, the bushwhacker. I mean, you that lets you survive. So the question is then, do you have an echoing truth that you're drawing to? And if you do, then yeah, you counter the bushwhacker. Or you have one in your hand, then you have to counter the bushwhacker. Then it's an easy decision. So if you have the echoing truth in hand, you just wait for the bushwhacker. And if you don't, then you probably want to take the risk and try and stop the try to stop the, the seeding song. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm satisfied with that answer. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> let's let's talk about Grixig Storm. How do you handle that one? Oh, that one's a lot tougher. Um, I mean, he <clears throat> he has the equivalent of <clears throat> what he can do is he can dump out he can dump out um, chromatic spheres and chromatic stars, which are the equivalent of saving up hand. You know, so if he has seven cards in his hand and three chromatic stars in play, he's really got ten cards in his hand. So mm-hmm. that is brutal. I mean, if you think about that. Yeah. Um, the only thing you can do is is try to apply pressure and try to knock out his storm. Now, the thing is he's a little more vulnerable because, like I said, all right, he's got three categories of spells. He's got card draw, he's got mana fixing slash red sources, and he's got black rituals and slash red rituals that are actually mana improving for him. Um, and it, it, it you really just have to kind of trust your gut as to which one of them he's constrained on. Usually you want to – the number one counter target is um, – Ideas Unbound, but okay. he'll never run Ideas Unbound into you without running a sign in blood first. Uh, the other number one counter target is Compulsive Research, because Compulsive Research lets him see three cards. Um, and it's it just three mana. So it's yeah, well, yeah, so it's a big commitment. Yeah, um, but it only costs one blue, so he can pay with black. Uh, oftentimes, I tell you more than I more than I'd ever thought. Uh, countering Cabal Ritual is is oftentimes the correct move, because he really requires a lot of mana to go. You okay. disagree? No, I I was more like, ouch! I've never actually faced a mono blue player who has countered my rituals, and it usually ends by they I sack my two or three lands, which gives me four or six mana, right. and then I sack some Chromatic Stars and play some Signing Blood to have threshold. And by this point, the blue player will, as far as I've seen, never, ever counter a ritual. Ever. Right. Uh, because they're scared else, like, they, they, they worry that you have other rituals. Yeah, exactly. So, I, but I mean, I, I feel that countering the color ritual is, could be very painful. So it's, it nets them three mana. And three right. mana is a lot. Yes. Yeah, I mean, okay. mana is the engine that makes it go after a certain point. I mean, uh, at a certain point, cards are the engine that makes it go, but then at a certain point, mana is the engine that makes it go. 
Yeah. But, you know, so it's, it's as you said previously, you need to follow your gut and thinking which one is he lacking. Do you play Gitaxian Probe? Uh, no, I don't. Because that's otherwise a good indication. Yeah, that that will give you a great. Yeah, that that yeah, that's well. You know, I can't afford to. I can't afford to give up life. I would, you know, believe it or not, I'd probably pay peak over a Gitaxian Probe. <laughs> wow. I like that card. I know I'm the only one. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually going to ask about that card. Well, peak or it's, it's 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 I I my gut says to like it, but so many other people dislike it so much that I I will trust the collective judgment of the Magic playing world and not play it. <laughs> it might be worth it. It might be worth it in some. It's it's, it's the the knowledge is worth it so rarely. That I can't I, see playing it. Well, honestly, I think mostly it's only actually worth it against Storm. Yeah, yeah. Well, against Storm and maybe against any deck where where it matters. What actually, you know what? You know where? Believe it or not, the knowledge would help a lot is against Stompy. So oh, to know their their. I can see that. I can see that happening. Yeah, to know what pump they have, and then whether you can use a quicksand or when to use a bounce, and whether or not to counter this, you know, this or that. Well, you know, I'm. Personally, a big fan of Cataxian Probe. Yeah, I, I like Cataxian Probe a lot. I think it's even a great in Storm decks. Yeah, I I, I I hate it when a Storm player probes me. <laughs> you just feel naked. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what it is. They made that card. The artwork on that card is perfectly designed with the interface on MTGO, because it's it's like the artwork. It's got that like eye coming out at you, and it and when they cast it, it appears in the corner, like it's like it's looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah, no, I mean, Gitaxian probe is Gitaxian probe or peak peak would. And probably not be the worst thing in the world. You know, there's, there's, um, I think it's maybe it's ministered by angels. Actually, runs a Gitaxian probe in his blue red post deck, which I think is an interesting choice. I think I've did. Uh, I've I've been playing a lot of decks just a little bit, and I think I had Gitaxian probe in my post deck. Yeah, I mean, that's, which is not a common, which is not a common thing. But, but I yeah, I, I mean, it might be worth place. it. But the thing is, I, I don't want to side it in against Storm because it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mulligan until I hit a peak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean? So, how about this question? If uh, let's say you had to take your uh, mono blue control deck into a tournament that you knew only had Storm decks, oh, I definitely play peak. What, <laughs> what would be the best um, sideboard cards? To bring. Uh, the best cyborg cards that are only against Storm. Um, in general. In I mean, general. Okay, uh, Echoing Truth is good. Fade Away is a card that I, I like a lot. Um, it's it's two and a blue. And uh, on, let me see. I think it's all players have to pay one mana for every creature. For every creature, its controller sacrifices a permanent unless he, he or she pays one mana. So it's actually better than Echoing Truth against Storm alone. I have lost enough card. Yeah, because Sorry. the idea is you can lava dart away a, a, a goblin, but you still have to pay 12 mana or sacrifice 12 permanents. So Fade Away is probably the single best sorcery speed card that can stop an empty the warrants. Okay. For blue. Yeah. yeah. Right? And the other funny thing that I've tested is Rhystic Study. <laughs> Which uh, which is an enchantment for two and a blue. Um, 
And every time an opponent plays a spell, you can draw a card unless they pay one mana. So I've lost the game when, when, with, with 40 cards in my hand from the Storm <laughs> player. <laughs> this, but I, I don't feel that Rhystic Study would actually help. Does it help? No, it doesn't help at all. Uh, that was oh, why yeah. it was funny. I lost <laughs> the game, but I had 40 cards in my hand. It was great. <laughs> I could, you know how small they get on the interface when you draw that many cards? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you know you've got you've got to test things before you before you know whether they work or not. So, yeah, <laughs> you know that, that 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 didn't work. <laughs> um, other cards that I would I mean I would love to play just more counter spells. I play envelop. I play outwit. Um, these are the cards that are the best ones against storm specifically, and not a lot of other decks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I probably. <sighs> You know, like Delvers are a perfect win condition against them. Anything that has that's that's cheap and and hits them. You know, it's not not a not a not a not a complicated concept. Um, so, I, so what yeah. do you board in specifically? I board in Hydroblasts. I board in One Echoing Truth, and I board out one Quicksand, and I board in two Stormbound guys, and out all three Silkbind Fairies. Okay. And, and the only reason I go with the Stormbound guys over the Silkbind Fairy is the one extra point of power. It puts a little bit more pressure on them. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I assume you take out your Viridian Bow? My Viridian Longbow is coming out. My yeah. Serrated Arrows are coming out. Um, what else is coming out? Curse of uh, Chains? Uh, I don't run it main. Okay. So you would say that uh, Blue-Red Storm is a good matchup, but Grixis for, for Storm? Me, yeah. yeah. Grixis Storm is a toss-up, I would say. It's and Blue-Red Storm even. Is, 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 yeah. And Blue Red Storm is good uh, for someone for running like Paul's Denton's deck. Um, I think both of them are are, are suboptimal matchups. Both of them are, are he's the underdog in both of those. And, and this just be- is that because he's not running Echoing Truth main? Or yes, yeah. I think it's because he's not running Echoing Truth main. Yeah, okay. but he's running more counter magic than I am, so that that might help a little bit. He's just well, running. He's running a lot of dead cards against them in game yeah. one. Yeah, from a uh, Blue Red Storm player's point of view. Uh, we scramble panically to go off as soon as possible. So more counter magic won't matter that much mm. because if the mono blue control player gets four untapped lands, we're screwed anyway. Right. Yeah, so, that makes sense. So we need to go off as soon as possible. So him having one or seven counter spells in hand is irrelevant. Right, just because um, because well, the idea is to me, it's 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 it says to me you, you have to think a little differently when you play Storm. I didn't mention this earlier, but if you've got like four counter spells in your hand, you're never going to be able to cast four counter spells in one turn. So there's no reason not to counter like a ponder. Oh, you know? yeah, that's oh, that's annoying. Because when... just counter ponder because he can't go, he doesn't have the mana to go off that turn, and. You can't use the second counter spell against him in the other turn, so there's no point in saving your counter spells. That's true. That's a very good point. Mm, no, yeah. I'll note that one down. That's a good yeah. tip. But now, and 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 again, I've 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 recently played a lot of Storm. I've played against a decent amount of Storm and 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 more Grixis Storm than 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 not Grixis Storm and. Grappling Farang, I've played against him quite a few times lately, and he actually goes off very early against my deck, and and it it it, it puts me in a, just a bad position because even though I've got the Echoing Truth, he goes off early, and if you go off early, you can't kill them with one. You're not likely to have both double grape shot. You're likely to have maybe one and one or two and two or or two, or two empty the Warrens. 
there's a lot more situations when your two kill spells are going to be not double grape shot, right? So if he goes off early, it means he's going to do 10 damage to me with his grape shot, and then he's going to kill me the rest with goblin tokens. So that gives me a chance to draw out to my to my echoing truth. But, you know, I haven't so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, Rang is one of the most skilled Grixis players, I think. Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah, he's he's just. I mean, he's got as much as I, I. You know, like again, like I say, like blue red. You have a blue blue to play modern blue control. You have to have a good feel for the matchups, and you have to know what you encounter and not. And as a storm player, you need to have a good feel for the matchups, and you need to know when to go off and and when to take a chance and when and when to play conservatively. So you know, and and he does that very well. Yeah, the reason I switched is because I feel the Grixis storm is too volatile. Mm. Uh, it dies to itself. Fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah, it but does. I feel it does. may have been premature in my decision. I think I think <laughs> Grixis is more. I think Grixis is more robust than the than than Blue Red Storm. I think Blue Red Storm is faster and it has a better matchup against Post. Like whereas Grixis has, I think Grixis's matchup against Post is a little bit worse, right? Not much. Not uh, much, but a little bit. But but Blue yeah, Red Storm is good against Post. I thought. I mean, Post main decks uh, seismic shatter. Oh. Usually one or two I've seen right. is a very common. Yeah, that's and great. that's I, I can't counter that with my lava dart, so that's annoying. Yeah, that is annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just one more note on the sure. combo thing in Grixis. Uh, I was actually when I played Grixis, I was on the way of um, swapping out my empty the Warren skill entirely and just play four grape shot and to shred the mind, I think, the card is. Yeah, uh, shred memory. Yeah, it's shred a memory, the transmute card that gets me grape shot. So I yeah. technically won six kill cards in main deck. Right. Yeah, no, so, I know. And, and, and you know what? But you can't... Uh, look, there are so many... Your creature kill is dead anyway, so there's no reason not to side in the Echoing Truth. And if you side in and if you fit in all four of the Hydroblasts, you're as good as you can get against them. So, you know, yeah, you, have I'm, more, I'm, you have more cards to pull out than you have to pull in. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, that's true. Uh, and makes the deck as kill, as you said, slower. Uh, just yeah. going grip shot. And yeah. sometimes you just win with an empty the Warren's kill. Like, in fact, the goblins. Right. Yeah, and and I and I and I know, and you never know when you go into game two and game three whether they're going to sideboard out the empty the Warrens kill. You never know. So you know you have to play. You have to play like they have it because there's no reason to take your defenses down against it. And as far as I've seen from replays, uh, most of them keep it in. Yeah, because it's, it's because again you can go off for half the number. Yeah. And still, yeah, and still potentially win. Okay then. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to mono black control. Oh, my favorite matchup. Oh really? I have this written down as a bad matchup. Really? To... That's oh, interesting. Let me have a look at. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. No, you might. You might. It depends on. Again, a lot depends on the build. Well, I thought I was copying it from from your notes in uh, that the. Uh, oh yeah, I, I've changed. I've, that was a long time ago. I changed my deck. All so right, I, <laughs> I, I I adapt, and now mono black control is. <laughs> I love mono black control now. <laughs> All right, that's good. Let's change it. So, yeah. well, let's talk about that adaptation. Why why did it used to be bad, and why is it good now? They used to run me at. I I, I used to not play. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to have to admit this. I used to not play Delver in my deck. Because I felt like it was it was very it was very it was a it was a random card and it was you know a little bit a little bit 
I, I don't know. It was a bad decision to not play Delver. So I switched. I'm playing Delver now, and, and, and Delver hits pretty hard. So they used to be able to kill my seven creatures and then kill me every time because they would deal with my seven ways to win the game, and I'd be left without any way to win the game. And then, you know, they could trade one for one with counter magic and, and their discard and then eventually beat me with a corrupt or, or a creature that they were able to stick on the board. But now that I have Delver, I put them on a clock. And then in the, after a sideboard, Stormbound Geist is, is the best card in the world against mono black control. Because once you have a Stormbound Geist in play, you now have protection for your Silkbind Fairy, Viridian Longbow combo. Right, because if he if he edicts you, you just sacrifice the stormbound geist and it gets bigger. And then if he tries to kill it, if he tries to kill the silpine fairy, uh, disfigure doesn't do it. Deadweight doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. So he actually has a limited number of cards that can kill it. So you can counter those, or you can repeal, or you can echo in truth in response. Mm-hmm. And you have deep analysis. <laughs> yeah, that's a great card. Yeah. So um, and mono black are terrible against one threes. It's just funny. Yeah, it's kind of true. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. That's not what they specialize in removing. I mean, and, and they can block all their creatures all day, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and their creatures don't survive very long because they don't have a way to answer serrated arrows. And when you draw an Echoing Truth and you have six mana in your hand, you just you, you <laughs> serrate everything, and then you, in one turn, on your turn, you echo and redrop the serrated arrows. <laughs> and that's, as you said earlier, backbreaking. Yeah, that's backbreaking against them. Yeah. I mean, they, they be, they've got to kill you with corrupt. And... <laughs> yeah. and I mean, you know, and, and not a lot of them run corrupt anymore. So it actually turns into a very good matchup for you. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the other version, the one that Paul Denton runs? Um, that one doesn't have uh, the Paul Denton runs fairy. a mono black control? Oh, 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 you mean his mono blue control? His mono blue control against <laughs> NBC. Um, so I've, I've been running it, and. You know, it, it doesn't have the. Let me, well, let, me I, load, I, let me load his list. Hold on, I have a list that he won a uh, won an event with on, or that he placed in an event with on May twenty fourth. So let me load that list so I have it in front of me, so I can think about how he does against mono black control. His recent list should be really good because he's running four arrows, three curse of chains. He yeah, should just is, be able to shut down all their creatures. Yeah, he's got three, four serrated arrows, three curse of chains. He's got an Unus grace, which is an MVP in that matchup. Yeah. Uh, Accumulated knowledge. Wow, four preordained, four piracy charms. This is that's an interesting deck. And then you know it's the same in a lot of ways. It's very similar to Post in that he has no way to interact with the Curse of the Bloody Tome. Yeah, yeah. So if you put in, in fact, if I were Paul Denton, if I were playing the Paul Denton deck against uh, Mono Black Control, I would consider siding out the Delvers, siding in Curse of the Bloody Tome, siding in Deep Analysis, and siding out the piracy charms, and the and siding in an extra Curse of Chains. And then you just have and side in the echoing truth for the serrated arrows. And then literally you just have spire golems as blockers, and then you kill him with a curse of the bloody tome, and all you counter is him trying to kill you with a corrupt. That, that's very much what with I've been rest. what I've been doing. I was actually considering taking out all the creatures and then basically nullifying, like making a lot of their cards dead. Dead. Yeah, and but just, fire golems are too good to. The thing is, how many how many quicksands? He's on four quicksands. I just I, I Okiba Gang Shinobi still scare me. Yes, yes, they are scary. <laughs> yeah, because because they can't be killed. They can't be killed with <clears throat> with one serration. 
you know, you need a serrate, you need to kill them, you need to serrate them twice, which means they can hit you, you know, if, if, if they, and, and hitting you is, is tough. But yeah, you know what? I think I would probably, I would probably sideboard into a very creature light version. Looking at Paul Denton's build, I'd probably side into a very creature light version against Mono Black Control. Yeah, and just, just bloody tome them. Yeah, bloody tome them out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did that. It, it seemed to work. Yeah. All right, okay. let's have a look at Infect. Ah, Infect. Okay, did you say you consider this a positive it's, it's, matchup? It's a positive matchup, I would say. Yeah. Okay. It's it's not... I, I, here's the thing. If they kill you on turn three, then they kill you on turn three. You know, there's a little... There's a little if, they, if they can protect a guy through a piracy charm and, and get through your blocker and protect a guy through your quicksand and all that, yeah, you lose. I mean, that happens. They It is a very high-variance deck, so... You know, you'll lose, and you'll and and your best bet is to try not to get frustrated by it. But the longer the game goes on, the better off you are. And after sideboarding, you get two serrated arrows. And main deck, you have to me the best card against the best cards against infect are bounce spells, mm-hmm. bounce spells, and then counter spells for their creatures because bounce spells set them back in tempo wise, and they they can't afford to have their tempo get set back, right? Now, uh, I assume a savvy Infect player would would not risk a bounce spell and just uh, no. I don't even I don't even mean a bounce spell to blow out their pump. I mean because because I'm just talking about like all right, they hit you with a Glistener Elf and you sit there with your with your lands untapped and your quicksand on the board, and if they pump. Now you put them in an interesting situation because now you've got quicksand. Now now we can have a discussion about quicksand, right? Mm -hmm. One Infect is not going to kill you. Right, so it depends upon what he's, how many cards he has in his hand, and how many free spells he has. And if he has a lot of free spells, you're probably going to lose. If he's got a creature that's resolved on the board, there's there's no toys about it. I mean, that's just a bad situation to be in. If he's got a lot of mutagenic growths and he's got a lot of invigorates, you're in you're in trouble. No matter what you do, so you know you have to play so that if he doesn't have that, you can win. So he's got his glistener elf in play and you've got a quicksand and you've got a couple of lands maybe right mm-hmm. um and and he goes and he attacks and you say all right i'll take it and then and then you take one infect and then at the end of his turn then you try to bounce it now he has the chance to use a a, a protection spell on his creature at the end of his turn which is not when he wants to be using his protection spells and every card out of his hand is is infect points that you're not getting so that's good. And all right, fine. So he protects it then. Then maybe you drop a serrated arrows, which is ideal. And then basically you've won the game. Once the serrated arrows hits the board, it's very hard to lose, except to something like a, um, what the hell is that creature? Sisbear. Sisbear. All right. Uh, affinity. Ooh, that just gives me shudders. I do not like affinity. <laughs> it usually is a terrible matchup for mono blue. Um, yeah. It is possible to win, and, and, and it's really a stark contrast. Like I, I mentioned earlier that I, I used to not run Delver in the deck, and um, it is a stark contrast because without Delver, this matchup is absolutely, completely unwinnable. Mm. There's no way to win. I mean, you could maybe grind him out. You get a serrated arrows on the board, and you block with Spire Golems, and you use – it's terrible. Without that, without Delver. With Delver, you can, you can drop a turn one Delver. You can flip it. Um, and now you have a clock on him, and you can maybe race him because you can counter some of his threats. Um, 
I mean, you've got a few plays you can make. You've got the chance to blow him out with bounce on an atog. If you if you bait him into a situation where he's got to pump his atog multiple times, or he wants to pump his atog multiple times, you can you can bounce it. You can repeal it. You can echo and truth it. Um, I mean, that's the best you can do against him, really. Curse of Chains would help you a little bit, but I don't know that it would make the matchup much better overall. Yeah, I I don't think there's any way to make it good. It's so- just. The the specific one mana counters they they're just underwhelming against them. The, the, this is the problem. They don't hit. They don't hit Carapace Forger. They don't hit. You know. They don't hit. Uh, they don't hit a Tog. But you know, you can run Hydroblast for a Tog. But the problem is, if you run, if you put all four of your Hydroblast in against them, then he's going to have. He's got four Togs and probably he sided out the flings because he doesn't want to lose the game from pumping his Tog to giant proportions and then having you counter spell the fling. Um, so, you know, you've got hydroblasts, but you know, who knows how many uses they have on them? It's just, it's just, there's very little. It's very hard to make it a good matchup. What does help a lot is getting a sil- surviving long enough to get a silkbind fairy on the board, because a silkbind fairy negates a frogmite and a mirror enforcer together, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can put a Viridian longbow on it, it negates a, a, a more than what two mirror enforcers and a frogmite. Because it can block the Frogmite and it can tap down two of them. So Silkbind Fairy is really the way I win that matchup. And basically the only way I win that matchup. Which is sort of similar to Paul Denton's approach, which is win with Curse of Chains. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Um, so sideboarding, just uh, Pyroblast. Sideboarding is, and... is Hydroblast for his... I mean, Hydroblast, yeah. Yeah, Hydroblast for his... Um, Probably you want to go a little bit lighter on counter magic because counter magic is not so good when you know it's it's almost like storm you know on his on his <laughs> third turn he can drop on his third turn he's not mana constrained and you are mana constrained so you can say no to maybe one so what use does it to have two or three counter spells in your hand if you can only stop one of his threats mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, if I could fit them in my board I would absolutely run uh, Steel Sabotage. There's no question about it. I would definitely run Steel Sabotage, but I, I don't really feel like I've got room in my board for it. Um, so really, it's more, it's like Hydroblast, and I'd probably, bring, I'd probably bring in Repeal for an Echoing Truth, so I'd have three Repeal, two Echoing Truth in the main deck, and I'd definitely bring in a Serrated Arrows. Um, probably I would take out pi- at least one, maybe two Piracy Charms. They're not that great against him, and they're only really good again at killing... Um, his uh, disciple of the vaults. Have you ever used a piracy charm to pump your dude and trade with a four four? Uh, yeah, I have on a spire golem. Yeah, I have. I've done that. Yeah, it's not I mean, totally dead, but it's very no. It's not totally dead. It's not, and and you know, I mean, it's ideal if you can if you can actually use a spire golem block serrate it and then piracy charm it to death once it's three three. <laughs> That's a lot yeah. better of a play, you know, because you leave your Spire Golem alive. But, yeah, if you have to do that, you have to do that. It the seems like with the Spire Golem plays would be nice against a Tog. The serrated arrows are nice against a Tog. But you know what the best thing against a Tog is bounce, is is mm-hmm. the fact that, like, a Tog is not a threat after game one. Because after mm-hmm. game one, you've got you've got three, four, five spells to bounce him, and then you've got four spells to just straight up kill him. So I'm not even scared of a tog after game one. The, the problem with the Spire Golem and Pirates of Charm play is that it gives your opponent a free two for one, which is yeah. not very nice. Which is not nice at all. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got to, you've got to, you've got. I mean, you know, because you're the control, so you've got to grind out trades. But you know, you do what you have to do to, to stay alive. I mean, yeah, obviously. Know. Yeah, I mean a lot. Of, look, a lot of the times I've made the play, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm I'm almost I'm going to lose this game 99 percent of the time. But the only way to win is if I draw X next turn. And if I draw X next turn, how do I survive right now so that X will allow me to survive to win the game? Sure. And if you do that, you do anything to survive. And you say, well, I didn't draw X, so I didn't win. But you know what? If I drew anything else I drew, I lose the game anyway. So there's no reason not to play to win if you actually draw X. Yeah. Like, like, I, was playing, like I was playing a white weenie deck. And I had five mana in play, and I had I had two I had two silkbind fairies in my hand because actually I got to uh, I got to I got to pull my favorite play in all of Magic against him on the previous turn. He played a uh, Journey to Nowhere when I had two silkbind fairies in play, and he had some creatures in play, and I echoing truth my silkbind fairies, so he has to journey to one of his own creatures. <laughs> I love that play. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I love that play. So I, I echoing truth my my silkbind fairies, but I know that I, that that at the end of his turn, at the end of his turn, he can he can swing back and beat me. But I've got to be able to drop both of my silkbind fairies to survive the next turn, right? So I've got another echoing truth in my hand, and I've got the two mana available, and I use it because. It, even though it, the only way I can live, even though it's probably not best in the long run, the only way I can live is is by preventing him from attacking me with whatever creature I echoed. So I echoed at the end of his turn, and I did draw the land, and I actually went on to win the game. But the only way I could have won the game is if I if I echoed and then I dropped the two Silkbind Fairies. So I had a play to that, even though it wasn't the optimal long-term play. It was the optimal play for that situation. So that situation, exactly. So I don't know how clear I made that, but the idea is, you know, if the only way you can win or survive is by getting a specific draw, then you have to play in such a way that if you get that draw, you you will win. Yes, yeah. 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 I've heard that uh, a few times before. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, uh, would the storm Stormbound guy, Geist, that's his name, Against, uh, against, against Affinity, I yeah. bring it in if he's running the version, and not a lot of people run it, but some people run the version with um, Somber Hoverguards and and um, Oriac Sun Chasers. Yeah. Yeah, I bring it in against Sun Chasers and, and Hoverguards because it's great against that deck. It really yeah. is. I mean, and that deck, if, if you see that deck, it means he is telegraphing that he is playing Rush of Knowledge. So, you know, save an Echoing Truth, and then at the last minute, just for just, just because it's funnier than counterspelling the Rush of Knowledge, <laughs> you Echoing Truth, his only spell that actually has a casting cost, <laughs> and he draws zero, and it resolves. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why I play Echoing Truth, for the comedy value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about goblins. Goblins. Okay. I mean, this... Should be a decent matchup for you. You've, uh, they have a lot of trouble dealing with with spire golems, and they have got to use removal on silpine fairies because you can still you can block a two power guy with a silpine fairy, and a silpine fairy can also mess up their attacking. Um, it, it's if they get an explosive, powerful draw, and you get a really slow, dirtily draw, you'll lose um, because they have an explosive, powerful deck, but 
you should be able to pull through in a long game. You have serrated arrows. You have a very powerful play in echoing your serrated arrows. You have, after the after the sideboarding, you have Hydroblast, which they have Pyroblast, but Hydroblast is better for you than Pyroblast is for them. Because Hydroblast is a one-mana destroy-a-creature for you, and it's not nearly as good for them. For them, it's, it's like a defensive card. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so after sideboarding, you're in, you're in good shape. And a lot of times they'll actually they're not sure and they make mistakes if they think that you're if they think that you're um, like a Delver Blue, they'll bring in things like uh, Ghost Fire and um, what's that other card? A uh, Pyrite Spellbomb to potentially to to kill the uh, the Weather Seed fairies that you don't even have. <laughs> yeah. Do you worry about something like uh, oh, uh, Death Spark? Death Spark. Yes. Yes, Thank I you. do worry about it. I, I I have yet to succeed in this, but I always want to get to to, to successfully bury a death spark with a piracy charm. That's like my goal, <laughs> <laughs> and I've never done it. But I I always want them to have like a chain lightning in hand when they death spark me, and they're like, yes. <laughs> but no, never seems to. I never seem to be able to actually get it to work. Yeah, no, Deathspark is Deathspark is pain, but Deathspark is not as bad against this deck as, as it is against Delver. I mean, against Delver, it kills every creature in the deck, <laughs> except for the Spire Golems and the um, Ninja and the Stitch Drakes. Yeah, well, and the Ninjas and, and an unta- uh, transformed Delver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On the other hand, the only cards in your deck that it, it kills are an unflipped Delver, so that's not that bad. It, it's just it's a source of damage. I mean, it's 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 a bolt to the to, you know it's a bolt that goes to you. So it's yeah. not the worst thing in the world. It, it doesn't absolutely destroy you, and you can lock down the board. And Viridian Longbow Silkbind Fairy it's actually very good against them if you can protect it, because yeah. that's how they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you with creatures, and you 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 can tap down their creatures and and machine gun them down. The thing with Death, Death Spark is that Death Spark gives the Goblin deck additional reach, which is yes. always good. Yes. Well, but okay, yeah, reach is very good, but what it gives against Delver is it gives them an absolute crushing blow to your entire deck. I mean, against Delver, it's, it, 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 kills, it kills everything. Yeah, you know? I played three Death Spark in my Goblin deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Death Spark is a great card, but it's it's... It's it's reach against you, which isn't nearly as bad as it is against Delver. Yeah, I can see that yeah. happening. Yeah. And I guess you want to be uh, well. You do need to be countering their creatures if they're putting a lot of pressure. But I guess in general, you want to be saving your counters for yeah uh, for, their, for, for their for smash the smithereens. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and for their smash the smithereens for their for their two for their attempts to two for one themselves, like. Uh, you block a creature with the spire golem, and then he tries to blow it up with a. Then he tries to kill it with a with a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to counter. He tries yeah. to to stop your silkbind fairies. You ideally want to defend your permanence from his burn with your yeah. counter spells. Once the board gets a little bit established, but you do want to stop his early plays. Um, the the nice thing about it is after the after the first game, you've got seven one mana spells that kill. His creatures, because Piracy Charm kills Sparksmiths, it kills uh, Sledders, it kills. I think that's about it. Do you yeah. want to keep the the the, um, Piracy the charms? charms in? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, they 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 do not go out because just the ability to kill a to kill a a, a sparksmith is great. The ability to get a card out of his hand during later in the game, if you get him to to, to the point where he's empty-handed and you don't have a counter spell, but you're a three life, um, piracy charm him during his up during his upkeep, and all of a sudden the only out that he has that kills you is a lightning bolt and not a chain lightning. Right. Yeah. You know, so you know, and and maybe you can live long enough to draw an accumulated knowledge to get those extra spells that you need to get a counter spell. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you, the pirate charms cannot come out against him. Okay. Um. All right. Let's, let's try and board plan against that. Uh. Well, I assume it's uh obviously hydroblast. Four hydros, the serrated four hydros, the serrated arrows. Um, and I don't bring in a Viridian Longbow, but I don't take one out. I think okay. I take out two Deprives, an Echoing Truth, maybe even two Echoing Truths. Actually, now, you know what? Now that I have two Repeals in the main deck, I'm probably going to take out all the Echoing Truths against him. Okay, yeah. Yep, yeah. I, I guess Echoing Truth doesn't really do that much in their deck. I mean, it's of... nice against... It's it's good to bounce the Serrated Arrows, um, and it's good if he's got... If he had multiple Wog, Mog War Marshals uh, resolve, and now he's got four tokens on the board, mm-hmm. it's good to do that. And it's it's good if he uh, has you know you have three blockers and he has four attackers and he has a raider and he and he tries to pump his unblocked attacker up, and you can bounce that. So that's yeah. those are situations. It's good, but Hydroblast is better, yeah. and repeal and repeal is better because all of his stuff is cheap. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, let's go on to uh, White Weenie. This is Dime's deck of choice. It's my yes. first deck as well. Yes, I played White Weenie for ages, um, and and actually, I I when I played White Weenie, I used to absolutely hate uh, blue red posts so much so that I played Defender of Law in the main deck. <laughs> oh wow. But, yeah, because 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 if you think about it, Defender of Law is like a perfect card for White Weenie against Blue Red Post. It's got protection okay. from red, so and it's got Flash, which is really underrated. And and I played and I played the uh, the White Name Lions as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look, you know, White Name Lion. It, it, it's it's a counter spell that counters a, cre- a counter spell for removal, and it and it uh, and then it's body that stays behind. So it's a that's a nice card, but um, I think that kind of shows you that White Weenie has a lot of problems with control decks. Yes. So really, what you have to do is you have to survive his initial rush. Um, you know what? The version of the deck I'm running right now, Squadron Hawk, isn't even really backbreaking, which is which is sort of surprising and 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 different when you think about it. Squadron Hawk isn't backbreaking because I've got a lot of things that block and kill Squadron Hawk. So so unless he you know kills me with Squadron Hawks, it's not that bad. Even Bone Splitter isn't that bad when you have a Silkbind Fairy because unlike a Curse of Chains, a Silkbind Fairy can tap at the when at the beginning of combat whatever has the Bone Splitter on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and a curse of chains taps down, taps down one creature, you know, like a like a guardian of the guild pact. But then he can just move the bone splitter around, so bone splitter around. That's why bone splitter is such a big threat because it means any one creature can kill you. But silkbind fairy is actually the perfect card to counter bone bone splitter. So this deck works very well against white weenie, and it it it, it plays it, it plays out very well. And and you also get. My absolute favorite play in the world, which is he has one creature, you have one creature. He plays Journey to Nowhere, and then you bounce your own creature. 
and he he's forced to use he's forced to journey his own guide. I just love <laughs> that play. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you'd say this is a, a relatively good matchup. Yes, yes. This is a relatively good matchup. Yeah. You should you should be cleaning up on White Weenie. Okay. Um Let's talk about Stompy. I guess this is similar to... Well, is it similar to Infect? It's like halfway between Infect and White Weenie in a way. Yeah. It's, it, it, it overruns you better than... It overruns you better than White Weenie, um, at, but it's slower than Infect. But it's a lot more resilient. Um, it's, a, it's not an easy matchup. And I'm still searching for the perfect build against Stompy because I've faced a lot of it lately. Um, I, I know that Viridian Longbow is very good against them. I know that Bounce is good against them. And so I'm thinking that my repeals are going to help me a lot against Stompy. Um, they, they, they can drop guys that are, that are very scary for you because it is impossible, no matter how many counters you have, to permanently kill a young wolf with a serrated arrows. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, with the first with the first time you serrate it after it comes back from undying, you add a counter to it, and then that. Actually, there's a, the only way you could do it is if you piracy charm first, and then you serrate after the piracy charm resolves. Then it goes away forever. If if if, if by the rules, because what happens is if 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 there's ever a point when a, ne- a minus one counter and a plus one counter are on the same creature at the same time, they negate each other. Right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But That's right. but if you if you reduce its toughness to zero, uh, to, you reduce its toughness to one, and then you serrate it, it goes to the graveyard before the two counters negate each other. Okay. Yeah. That's the only way you can kill a young wolf with the serrated arrows. So just like if you if you have an undying guy um, and you and you have it die to an infect creature, you can't have it die all at once to the infect creature. Because if it dies all at once to the infect creature, even if it's got a even if it's got a plus one plus one counter on it and it dies all at once, or if it doesn't have a plus, if it, if it has a plus one plus one counter on it and it dies all at once, then it never has the plus one plus one counter removed, so it doesn't come back. Okay, yeah. but if it dies a little bit at a time, then 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 it can uh, then it comes back. Yeah. So young wolf is a is a, is a pain, but it, just take it every turn. You take fine. You're a young wolf is a curse of the pierced heart against you. Really. <laughs> yeah. One you know? one damage every turn. One damage every turn. That's fine. You know. I mean, and then maybe later in the game when you have all of your defenses up, you can block it with the spire golem and then and then kill it twice. So Stompy, Stompy players also actually often, to me, I think it's a mistake, but they, they, there are three main sideboard cards that you have to worry about them. And uh, the first one is Hidden Spider. Um, and Hidden Spider is a little scary, but Bounce works really well on Hidden Spider because when you recast it, it's not a creature again. So that's okay. Um, and then the other thing that, he, that they bring in that I think is, is not an optimal card against you is uh, Scattershot Archer. Okay. Uh, yeah, which is a 1-2, and it taps to do one point of damage to all creatures with flying. Um, it's just not that threatening. It doesn't do a lot of damage when it attacks. And and the only thing you can really do is hold back with it and, and maybe try to kill your guys after they've blocked. But you can deal with him. He's not that bad. Uh, the only thing that makes him threatening is if they have a Quirion Ranger in play. So then he can multiple – they, they can untap him and, and tap him again and, and do mm-hmm. – two points of damage with one of them, or if they have two Quirion Rangers, then do three, and then, you know, then, then at that point it becomes dangerous. So 
deal with him before they get multiple querying rangers in play, or don't let them get multiple querying rangers in play if they have if they have a uh, if they have a scattershot archer. And then the last card they bring in, and this card is scary, is uh, is um, gleeful sabotage Ooh. because you. Yeah, you really depend on your artifacts when you're when you're when you're fighting them. You depend on your longbow, you depend on your serrated arrows, you depend on your spire golems to block and and it's just a tough card to deal with because it's it's got mini storm, right? So <laughs> you know, I mean he can he can he can conspire on it. And if he's smart, a lot of the time a, a lot of the time what you can do is um you conspire even if there's only one target because that forces you to use two counter spells on it. Right? Oh, okay. Unless, yeah. Yeah, unless you have bounce. Then if you have I bounce, was, both yeah. these. I was thinking about one other type of card. I don't know if it's better or worse. It just struck me now. Uh, Matsu Tribe Sniper from Kamigawa Block. Uh, I don't know if it's actually... I think it's a common. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I've used that one against blue as well. It's, it is it is quite useful because it taps uh, for a full yeah. turn uh, the, the permanent. So you can use it to deal one damage to a, like a Spire Golem, and it'll... We'll tap it for a, for another turn, right? Not too yeah, good at Silkbind Fairy, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, yeah. Want, <laughs> you want your Silkbind Fairies to be tapped. And he's only got one toughness, so that makes him a lot less scary to deal with. It makes him a lot easier to deal with. And one damage isn't really a lot to you, to your Flyers. Your Flyers are tougher. I mean, again, against Delver, that thing is fantastic. Against Delver, that, that thing is a, is, a, is a machine gun. It, it, you know, it kills all their fairies. Which is bad for for them. One of the advantages of this deck is people don't really have an optimal sideboard setup for mono blue control, right? I mean, yeah, it's not a lot of there's not a lot of mono blue control in the environment, and I don't think there ever will be really, because other decks are other decks are just, I think other decks will always be more popular than mono blue control. So you know that that you definitely have an advantage there, and that you can ta- you can tailor your sideboard for the for the meta, and they can only really tailor their sideboard for you know blue by having pyroblasts. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, before we go on to the 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 mirrors, which yeah. I'm, I'm going to kind of include Delver Blue there. Uh, okay. Are there? Are there? Do you want to talk about? Any other of the other matchups? Uh, well, I, I wrote down I wrote down uh, three three things that we can we can we can maybe discuss or three other deck types that we can talk about. Um, uh, blue black mid range and blue black post uh, dredge like the e hustle the e hustle either green green black dredge or or red black dredge um, and slivers and slivers is you know slivers is not bad it's a creature aggro deck so we don't really need to discuss that in too much detail. But just one thing, I just wanted to let everybody in the world know that flanking stacks. So if they've got multiple sources yeah. of flanking, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just forget they have flanking and I just throw my, my guys in front of them willy-nilly. That's what I did last time I played Slivers. Uh, okay. Um, well, actually, I played a, a Tortured Existence deck recently. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I had a really bad time. Is, is, is there a secret to beating that deck? To, to with with mono blue, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a bad matchup for you as mono blue. Yeah. But um, the 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 key to beating the deck is you have to keep the stinkweed imps in play, but ineffective. So 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 Paul Denton's deck needs to have a curse of chains on a stinkweed imp. Period. Right. My deck needs to tap them down with silkbind fairies. Yeah. Or or Paul Denton's deck needs to serrate them down to zero power. Yeah. And then at the same time, 
you cannot let him get a sacrifice outlet on the board. <laughs> yeah. Because then he just brings them back. You know, then he'll sacrifice it and then bring them back. And then and then ultimately you'll get locked out if he ever draws a grave scrabbler. Yeah. And he draws a grave scrabbler and you're literally you're, you you cannot win the game at that point because he can he can sack he can he can just chain them off in a circle. Yeah, yeah, I I, I... I lost to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. What if they play uh, first turn tortured existence? Is it basically over? I, I I don't think it's over until they get until again, like I said, until they get the three pieces of the combo. It's not over, but really, it's over if they have tortured existence and a stinkweed imp. You're in a lot of trouble. The yeah. game is pretty much wrapped up at that point. <laughs> so yeah. you know you can save your you can save your wrist tendonitis from from all the clicking that you're going to do and just concede at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I should have done. Yeah, I mean you know in theory you could bounce the tortured existence and then counter it on the way back down. Yeah, I I actually did that once, but then yeah. he, he they had he, another torture with more stuff. Yeah, with more stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a problematic deck. It's just a it's a good deck against blue control because you know I mean look in theory again the side post sideboard you can bring in Curse of the Bloody Tome which feeds him and then you just need to concentrate on staying alive through his creatures. Yeah. Which is hard because his creatures can just he can anything you can do to his creatures to to make to neutralize them he can just bring them back from the graveyard and he can put them in the graveyard. Yeah, you have to start uh, serrating arrows, uh, serrating them so that they don't do, deal a lot of damage and yeah, just make sure they don't them have small but not yeah. kill them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and avoid sack outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, let's get into, I think this is, well, this could be an interesting discussion, and that would be the the, the mirrors. So first, against the Delver. Delver yeah. is, Delver is, this, my version of the deck is just set up to just destroy Delver. I, I, I never want to lose to Delver. I mean, if I lose to Delver, I'm upset, because, <laughs> uh, you know, look, and you know what? You can always lose to Delver, because Delver is an aggro deck, yeah. and an aggro deck can always have too good of a draw, and they overwhelm you, but... Between Piracy Charm and Viridian Longbow and having bigger creatures and Silkbind Fairies and having four Quicksands, he shouldn't be able to beat you. Because if you – think about the game in, in this way, right? Once you drop a Spire Golem, the game is basically over in a lot of ways. And he can snap it and then and then fight you, but then what happens is he's fighting a counterspell battle where he's already down a card which is the snap. And you actually have card draw in accumulated knowledge mm-hmm. and he's got hit you with a ninja to draw cards. Yeah. Unless he has gush. Mm-hmm. Which not all of them have gush and they won't always draw the gush. And then if he does draw the gush then he's down two islands and then you've got multiple counters versus his counters. You should have more counters. So the idea is survive his early rush and do what you have to to survive the early rush um, and 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 take over the game. And you will take over the game if the game goes long enough. Okay, well, that sounds reassuring. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's yeah, it's just survive. If you survive to turn, if you're in turn four and he's got two two ninjas on the board and a, and a, and a phantasmal bears and you're ten life, you're dead. You know, there's nothing you can do to come back from that. But if you're on turn four and and you haven't been touched yet, he can't win. <laughs> okay. All right. So, how about the mirror? Is there anything you could do to improve your odds? 
Oh, the mirror is an interesting matchup because accumulated knowledge is probably the swingiest card in magic in the mirror. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I don't know if everyone knows this about accumulated knowledge, but it's draw a card, then draw a card is equal to the number of cards named accumulated knowledge in all graveyards. Yeah. So the eighth accumulated knowledge draws eight cards. So you never want to be the first one to play accumulated knowledge. The mirror is an interesting matchup, and to be honest, I haven't played it because every time I face Paul Denton, we face in the fourth round, we've split. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to see which of your... Because your decks are slightly different, so yes. one probably has an edge over the other. Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you this. He's got a lot of Curse of Chains, and Curse of Chains is totally ineffective on a Silpine Fairy. In fact, I when I played Curse of Chains, I would occasionally put it on my own Silpine Fairies just to get an extra tap out of them. <laughs> wow. Right? I mean, yeah. if you think about it, a Curse of Chains on your Silpine Fairy is a combo. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, you get two so, taps. <laughs> yeah, you get two taps out of it. I mean, and that 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 is my edge on him. He's got four serrated arrows. I only have one. Um, he's got a little bit more counter magic than I do. So I'm not sure who would have to play which role. Um, probably I would end up, have to end up playing. I'm thinking. You know, that's a good question. Like I think the long game might favor me because I've got because I've got the Viridian longbow combo right. But the long game, he's got a lot of serrated arrows in the long game, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's an interesting. It's it's interesting to see how it would go. I think I probably try to play it slow, and I probably try to use my bounce to make my silkbind fairy survive after being serrated three times. So each silkbind fairy pulls out an entire serrated arrows. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how the game would have to go. Okay. Um, well. Well, I think we've run out of matchups at this point. Unless we want to talk about blue-black. Blue-black? Uh, blue is that uh, like the blue-black uh, well, cloud two. post there's, or there's is blue black, black mid-range and there's blue-black cloud post? And blue-black cloud post is similar enough to uh, to blue-black uh, to a blue-red post, except it's better <laughs> against you. <laughs> um, and blue-black blue mid-range is surprisingly enough a very good deck against this deck. Because it, it really papers over the disadvantages that mono black control has against you by having a lot of card draw with blue. Okay. Right. So it's actually surprisingly not a very good matchup. No, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all I can say about that. And also now I'm slightly scared of the fact that there's a – in blue-black, there is an infinite, an infinite lock combo. Oh, with the Chittering Rats and the uh, Chittering Rats flicker. with Mnemonic Wall and Ghostly Flicker. And, yeah. and apparently in M13, they're going to print a common uh, for two and blue-blue uh, for, a, for a creature that returns an instant or a sorcery to your hand. So it's a cheaper oh. – Yeah, cheaper Mnemonic Wall. Yeah. Cheaper Mnemonic Wall. Yeah. Oh. Might become yes. a deck. I yeah you know look I've tried I've tried to make it a deck with uh, you know with uh, undying evil and stuff and then I and I played in a tournament and I uh, I drew uh, twelve lands in the first game and I drew two lands in the second game and then <laughs> I guess that didn't turn out and then I did the same thing in the second round and I'm like uh, <sighs> the the, the, the random number generator is punishing me for cheating on my <laughs> mono blue control deck <laughs> uh, we kind of glossed over the white weenie section of it did you. I just was curious if some people might want to know about your sideboarding there. And I actually oh, sure. thought this might be one of the matchups where Stormbound guys would be a, a good consideration to bring in. Is that I, true? I, I consider it, but I, I don't think overall that it's worth it. Because basically, to, to add a Stormbound guys, they either have to drop 
Silkbine Fairies, Delvers, or I have to drop defense. And I think all my defense is really necessary against them. In fact, I probably – I add a Serrated Arrows, and I add a Repeal, um, and I probably am thinking I'm going to take out one Echoing Truth and one Deprive. Um, and I add another Viridian Longbow because they really don't have a lot of ways to deal with that mm. except for except for Unmake. So, yeah, Stormbound guys would be good against them except there's two things about it. One, their removal is Unmake and yep. journey, to no, journey to Nowhere. Both of which don't care about undying, right? Two is Stormbound Geist is a good blocker for for their flyers, but it doesn't it doesn't handle Razor Golems and it doesn't handle Guardian of the Guild Pact and it doesn't handle any of their ground guys that can still kill me. Um, uh, their um, uh, fervent Cathar it's not fervent Cathar. What's the name okay. of the Cathar? Loyal Cathar. Yeah, uh, the loyal Cathars. Uh, so it, it's basically it's it's a restricted card and. Although it's got survivability in the air, it's, it's just inferior to Silkbind Fairy in the matchup. And Silkbind Fairy really does a lot of damage with the pseudo-vigilance and, and tapping a guy to let the Delver through. So I, I, can't afford to, I can't afford to bring in the Stormbound Geist against White Weenie. Yeah, Silkbind seems completely brutal, especially because it's multicolored as well. Yes. It's just another, yeah. <laughs> like, rub it in their face. Uh, yeah, okay. exactly. I'm really curious about three deep analysis in the board because that seems like a lot uh, of a card draw spell to have as a sideboard card. Um, and I think you mentioned you bring it in against cloud post decks, right? Yes, yes. Is this a card? I have two questions about deep analysis. Is this a card you also bring in against mono black to uh, to yes. get some value out of their discard? And then well, the it's other- not even to get value out of their discard. It's it's to get. I I want to I want to cast deep analysis twice against them. I really do, and and I don't worry nearly as much. The builds lately have been not having corrupts. If if you guys have have you guys yeah. noticed this as well? It's more yeah, mono black darkness. Yeah, kind of- mono black control has been way without corrupt, and as a result, I can afford to go with three deep analysis, and I can go a little bit lighter on counters against them because if they don't have corrupt, I don't really fear anything except for chittering rats. Mm. Not chittering rats. Um, uh, crypt, rats? crypt rats. Yeah, you know, and crypt rats. If I can keep their life total lower than mine, I can still th- not fear those too. Mm. My other question about deep analysis is that because it's sorcery speed, does that how much of an issue is that against something like post, where you, you're talking about a spell that's four mana at sorcery speed? At sorcery speed. Well, but post – the thing about post is post doesn't put pressure on you. So what mm-hmm. you can do against post is you can you can force a counter war on their turn over something they do. Like if they tap out to, to cast a Muldrifter, I'll counter it, and then maybe they'll counter my counter, or maybe they won't counter my counter. But either way, that will give me the opening to cast deep analysis, and then I'll be vulnerable for a turn. But usually they won't have the 22 mana necessary to the Rolling Thunder me out. Best case scenario for them is that they tap out again for another Muldrifter. And I'm okay with that because then I tap again for another deep analysis and I've drawn four cards, they've drawn two, and all of my flyers beat Muldrifters sure. because Stormbound guys beat Muldrifters, Spire Golems beat Muldrifters, and Silkbind Fairies tap Muldrifters down. Delvers don't, but Delvers are in a different category. Mm. So, so really the, the sorcery speed again, look, it would be better if it weren't sorcery speed, but you know, <laughs> I will, 
I will accept that it is sorcery speed, and 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 I just kind of try to maneuver the game so that I cast deep analysis, and I will use other spells to bait out counters so that I can resolve deep analysis. And and if you watch the way Cloud Post plays, they're not they're not hesitant to tap out because they're not like a blue deck, you know. So they will tap out, and when they tap out, that's your that's your chance to deep analysis. Okay, so I think we've talked enough about playing the mono blue deck. So I'd like to do a quick financial analysis to end the episode. This deck has some of the pricier cards in the market. Conveniently, the recent invasion drafts have brought down the price of some of the counter spells in it, specifically Prohibit and Exclude, which are currently down to almost half a tick each. This probably won't last long, so like I said in the previous episode, I suggest everyone pick them up while they're cheap. Moving on to something more expensive, the deck uses a full set of four accumulated knowledges. And those are going for about three ticks each. But you can always... You can just run Think Twice, yeah. Yeah, so Think Twice is basically bulk value, so that'll make your deck much cheaper. Um, so both of the uh, variants, uh, Paul Denton's and, and New Plants, use serrated arrows, up to four of them, to help against aggro strategies. And these cost about four ticks each, uh, though they'll most probably go up with time, though they seem to be going slightly down ever since the uh, time spiral drafts. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, so finally there's Echoing Truth, which is going for about... 0.5, maybe 0.8 ticks, and you probably want to own at least uh, four of them. Uh, and you'd probably be using all four between the main deck and the sideboard. Yeah, well, I think I think Paul Denton only runs three total, so I have four total. But I think they went up when um, they actually went up when Modern came around. Oh, I see. Because they started using them in Modern to combat Storm in Modern. Uh, that would explain it. Uh, so, anyway, all the other cards of the popular builds are mostly bulk prices. Is counter is Counterspell bulk price? Yes, it is. You can get the 7th edition or Tempest edition for under 25 cents each. And I've seen some bots sell them for around 0.15 ticks. Because I, 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 I run the Mercadian Mask version because I like the artwork the best on that one. <laughs> I, I run the J, I have the Jace one. Jason. Ah, I like the Chase one. Yeah, that one's that one's. I would have to say of all of them, I like that one the second best. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I but I but I, I paid I paid two tickets to get all my uh, to get all my uh, my Mercadian mass counter spells. Okay, so in the sideboard, you want to have three or four Hydroblasts for various matchups, but that's the only really expensive card. I think I think deep analysis I think deep analysis has to be a little bit pricey because it's an old oh yeah uh, deep analysis yeah that one's uh, just below one ticks so yeah that'll that'll bring your your sideboard up a, bit, a little bit but because of the many options you have the price range is pretty big you can probably make a competitive build from thirty five ticks but if you include all the expensive cards, you'll probably be looking around 65 ticks for the full deck. So this deck isn't one of the most expensive decks, but because it's blue, it's on the higher end. I think the Delver deck is actually more expensive because of Dace and everything. Yeah, Delver's definitely yeah. more expensive. Uh, 
Yeah, actually, and and a lot of the money cards are are common between the two of them. Hydroblast is common between the two of them. Echoing Truth is common between the two of them. So, and Serrated Arrows, they run a lot of Serrated Arrows. So, yeah. Yeah, so there you have it. Uh, So this brings us to the end of the episode. Remember that you can give us feedback by leaving comments on mtgcast.com or on our blog at popperscage.blogspot.ca. And we also watch popular forums like bdcmagic.com and MTG Salvation. So you can put comments there and, and we'll see them. You can also find us on MTGO. Uh, Dime Collector is known as Bamboo Rush. Louvre is Grusbus. I am Gabo Cheeto. And John is known as New Plan. I'm also obliged to point out that Dime Collector has an awesome set of YouTube videos, including a full series trying out his version of Mono Blue Control. You can find links to his video as well as everything else mentioned in each episode, in the show notes. And that's all for now. Thank you, Dime. Thank you. Thank you, Love. Thank you. And another special thanks to John for his epic deck tech he helped us record. Thank you. Till next time, see y'all.